You're listening to the Ottawa Real Estate Podcast with your hosts, Paul Stevenson, David Warren, and Greg Campbell. Let's see what's going on in the world of real estate today. Good morning, and welcome to the Ottawa Real Estate Podcast. My name is Paul Stevenson, and I am one of your hosts. I'm joined, as always, by David Warren and Greg Campbell. Yeah. We are here to bring you the latest and greatest. Yeah. In our nation's capital, real estate market. Gentlemen, how are we doing? What's going on? Good, Paul. What what happened there? Are you are you off uh, video now? I wanted to see you walking around. Well, I was. Yeah, I don't think Stephen had me in the in the actual video itself, but yes. Okay. Just well, strolling. it's okay. I like seeing. Going through town, beautiful. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, no, it's been a wild uh, a wild week since we did our live show. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but pretty good feedback. I think people were happy just to hear what's happening in the market the last four months four weeks excuse me have been i don't say tumultuous i just wanted to say that word tumultuous um but they have been great you know i think people are a little worried a little concerned so i think just uh getting back in the saddle and giving giving everyone our our take and a little update um i think maybe ease some minds but mm-hmm. uh what have you guys seen what have you seen since our last show what's happening um well i'm gonna I mean, I've been pretty, I've been quieter than normal. I have, a, I'm handling a lot of calls and a lot of, I'm meeting with a lot of people this week face to face just to talk about their current situation in terms of, um, in terms of sellers anyways, uh, you know, I'm going to go see the properties, upgrades they've done, give them a realistic evaluation with the change in the market um, and see where they sit. The one thing I am happy about is that these sellers that are calling me are probably about six months out from selling. So they're being very proactive in terms of wanting to make sure they understand what's happening now and where it may be going. Mm-hmm. I did a little, um, I did a little breakdown of uh, Barhaven because I know it's, it's been a while since we've done any uh, stuff oh, yeah. on the show, obviously, since we haven't done the show. So this is, uh, this is pretty cool. So I took Barhaven. I, I just, um, I did a quick breakdown of townhomes and semis focusing on the last four weeks plus the four weeks prior to that and then versus 2022. So this is exclusively townhomes and semis throughout Barhaven, three plus bedrooms. So for July, for right now, there's 47 active with an average of 40 days on market at an average list price of 655. Conditionally sold, there's currently eight. Those ones average 28 days on market and a price of 615,000. And now sold, we had 28 sold in the last four weeks, averaging 23 days on market and an average price of 606000 So active versus conditionally sold and sold is down about $50,000 in the last um, four weeks. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see if those ones hovering at 655 are going to sell. Um, they also have a higher days on market value. So the ones selling quicker are clearly listing lower to get it done um for whatever reason those sellers are just more anxious to uh, to leave as opposed to hold i think that some of the ones that are holding are going to either have to come off market depending on their situation or they're going to have to drop their price um quite a bit and that's something that we're starting to see for the properties that didn't sell over the last five months or so when the market kind of started getting uh, very active again now in june 48 homes were sold, averaging 17 days on market at an average price of 627. 
Hmm. So that's a substantial difference, especially with days on market, 17 versus uh, 23 to 40 um, and selling for $20,000 more on average than what sold in the last four weeks. That's hmm. a pretty big dip. And in, and in, in 2022, uh, 20, only 25 sold in um, uh, over the same period, averaging 26 days on market at an average price of 612000 So, you know, we were up, we were over 2022's numbers, and then now we are under. And I imagine that's going to go under a little bit more over the next, until the fall. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, certainly with the... Uh... But the rate hike doesn't help that and, and no. summer vacation, you know, July, mm -hmm. second half of July and August are typically uh, very slow. Everyone's off camping and, and taking their vacation with their kids before they go back to school. Um, but there was with that latest rate hike, I was there's an article talking about it that the average um, income needed to buy a home in Ottawa went up uh, $4,600 with the last rate hike. So from hundred and 30,000 is an app for purchasing an average home to 134,600 um, with this latest rate hike. And kind of speaking to that, like you said, kind of dim diminishing that buying power because obviously having that that income is, if you're not qualifying, it's, uh, you know, it's going to drive those prices down, fewer people. I'm curious. Yeah, it seems like that would, kind of, seems like that would be the, the, the short term, <clears throat> like the, the easiest uh, adjustment with the rate hike is going to be prices. And I mean, Tiff even said that when he, when he made the announcement, he said, last time we raised rates, we saw a pretty, you know, substantial downtick in prices and transactions. So, I mean, they know that doing that is going to have at least a short term, like you said, Greg, three, four weeks, I think is kind of where it sits. I think, as you said, Dave, compounding that with summer months and people traveling and so on, I think it's just the perfect storm of let's wait, you know, mm -hmm. uh, but Again, like we said last week on the live show, I don't, I don't think it's going to deter people long term. I think it's more just a, yeah, a, sh a small readjustment, you know. Yeah, and then you know we'll see what happens. in when's that next? The, the next rate is supposed to be September. September. <clears throat> yeah. Hmm. So I wonder. Yeah, and and it's going to be interesting like, the next few weeks because are the people. <laughs> it's just so funny, man. People, just how how people react, right? It's like, are they waiting this long now that long to see what's going to happen? Like, mm -hmm. are people expecting it to go down so that the prices will, or they can sell? There'll be more buyers. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's such a funny thing to um, to watch and understand. But like, I see, you know, for the people that can do it again, as we say every summer, there's lots of opportunities right now if you can buy, mm -hmm. always. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <clears throat> being that the uh, that the latest rate hike coincided with summer vacation, mm -hmm. like, like we just said, it's typically a slow period, anyways, for sales and and prices kind of stagnate regardless for these couple of months. But coinciding with the rate hike, um, I don't know whether those price that price drop in average prices or sales, you know, kind of activity is due to the you know exactly. rate hike or just vacation or both you know and so i think kind of the more telling will be after, after labor day which is kind of prototypical of kids go back to school when um families start you know looking at uh, at buying again so i'm kind of curious as to see whether that uh kind of has that same sort of uh, uh pickup in activity or not 
Yeah, it seems it feels at least like, like very similar to last December. Like it feels like this is kind of the dip or the calm before the storm. Like again, I just don't see any way that prices remain on a dip. Again, I said last week that you know there's a lot of that talk of that what they call a dead cat bounce. Like we saw prices really go up at the beginning of the year and then they kind of came down slightly. And then you know they're either going to go up substantially again or they're going to they're going to plummet. So I just don't see any way that the latter can happen. So I think if, as you said, Greg, if you're a home buyer getting into the market or an existing homeowner and you want to, you know, upgrade, now is, I think, one of the better times. Let's say if you looked at the next five years moving forward, this is going to be one of the best times in the next five years to buy. You know, if you have it all rolled out, you look at 60 months, if you rank them all from one to 60, I mean, the next two to three months, I think, are going to have to be pretty close to the top of that chart. As far If you're looking at just the price of homes, you know, mm -hmm. all things considered. As we said, rates are going to come down, prices are going to go up. It's it's just it's cyclical. Everything is is going to work the way it usually does. We just it's unpredictable as to when it's going to happen. But I just mm. don't see any way prices are going to continue to drop. Uh, and if they do, then there's going to be a resistance there where people, investors or whoever are just going to be like, okay, well, you're going to put these at you know five hundred thousand. We're just going to buy them all. You know, uh, mm -hmm. people are like there's also investors waiting for those opportunities as well. So I just don't see any way it can drop below a certain threshold. And I think mm -hmm. we're seeing that dip right now based on, as you said, rates, summer vacation, et cetera. But I, I just don't see any way come September, October, November, like by the end of the year that we're not seeing prices back on the rise. So there was a, um, go ahead, Dave. Oh, no, no, continue. I was just going to say, uh, are you guys seeing right now with the way that the rates are, are you finding that a lot of people are, are pushing for five-year fixed yet or are they still kind of banking on variable coming down and sticking with like one two three year fixed mortgages so definitely um we get a lot of inquiries about three and five year um kind of in that same breath that you know they're looking at the three year because they don't believe rates will stay as high and they don't want to lock in necessarily to, to the full five years uh and they're hedging that they will come down and then other and then in that same breath they're saying well what's their five-year because i'm also uncertain of whether what rates are going to do and i you know kind of that stability for my budget is also uh you know enticing um there's a lot of mis uh misinformation or or uninformed um borrowers that believe that the what the bank of canada is doing with you know adjusting bank prime or, or the overnight lending rate is directly connected with the fixed rate uh, which it isn't. And so kind of, you know, that conversation always comes into play that it is, you know, it does have an impact a little bit on the bond market, but that fixed rates are tied to the bonds. Um, so I think that's where people are, you know, they're weary because they keep seeing the bank Canada raising rates. And so they're worried about that. Obviously that's impacting a lot of things, but, uh, but then they're, so they're, but they don't believe that it's going to stay elevated for an extended period of time. I don't know, Paul, you're seeing the same. Yeah, it's it's a bit of a it is a challenging conversation to navigate right now. I mean, they, they I, I'll say to clients straight up, like you know, this is a challenging conversation to have because it is like nobody really knows where rates are going. If we've learned anything over the last twenty four months or you know eighteen months, even the experts saying what they say, it's not always accurate, if ever. So you know, I say if you're if you're willing to take on any sort of rate risk right now, I still think very, I'm obviously very pro variable, and it becomes harder and harder to suggest it uh when you know is a one to one and a quarter percent difference from the fixed rates but i'd say if you can take on any sort of rate risk the at least in my opinion the likelihood of 
a variable rate saying at 6.3 for the next five years, I think is unlikely. I think the people that are locking into fixed rates, I think are doing exactly what the banks are hoping. They know that there's a lot of people coming up for renewal. They know that they lost money over the pandemic with rates being at one and a quarter and one and a half percent. And I think locking a lot of people in at five years, you know, five and a quarter, five and a half is excellent for lenders. Uh, I know they have to recoup. That's by any means saying that they shouldn't be, you know, they're a for-profit business. Um, but I think once enough people have locked into those interest rates that we'll start to see rates come down. Obviously, banks would never talk to regulators. That never happens. Um, there's no, you know, there's no conversations there. They're supposed to be independent. Um, but these things tend to follow a certain um, trajectory, I guess. And I just feel like if you can take on rate risk, I think variable rates going to be a good option. I think we will see variable rates come down before we see fixed rates come down. We, you know, we were saying last week, maybe nine to 12 months is the current prediction for variable rates to start decreasing. And yeah, I think the two and three are fixed when, when those were really hot, you know, probably six months ago, um, lenders sniffed it out, you know, they're like, okay, two to three years are hot. Let's, you know, those rates went up. They're sitting in the mid sixes now in most cases, uh, you know, you can probably get the three years still at, maybe 609, 619, somewhere like that. But most three years, two years are sitting in the, like I've seen some at 659, 669, like they're they're not cheap, um, mm -hmm. at least compared to the fix, the five-year fix. So from the calculations I've done <clears throat> for clients, looking at the five-year fixed rate, let's say a promotional rate of 519 compared to a three-year rate of 659, uh, you know, you're, you'd have to have a rate of two or 3% in your last two years to, to even get to a break-even point for the five year, you know? So people are, you know, if you take a three year fixed rate, you're gonna pay a higher rate for the first three years in hopes that rates come down in three years. But if they don't, then you're you're basically pigeonholing yourself. So honestly, it's, it's, it is tough to navigate because I think it's a gamble either way. If you take a shorter term fixed rate, you're, you're basically hoping or gambling that rates are gonna come down. If you take a, a, a five year variable, you're, you know, again, you're hoping the rates come down, but both ways, unless you take a five year fix, you're kind of rolling the dice a bit. Mm -hmm. So. It's challenging. You really got to know what clients are willing to take on and what what the goals are. If they just want a fixed static payment and they're comfortable with it, mm -hmm. obviously going fixed rate. But if they're willing to take on some rate risk and you know want to kind of play the game, then I would still feel comfortable putting people into variable if they understand that. You know, I I think um a lot of people are you know in this climate very risk adverse. You know, prior yeah. to obviously any increase with with uh, Prime and and all of that they you know that is more challenging for them to you know recognize that variable has in the long term has won out uh historically but um i think i think really the most important is just you know the rate is whether you're going variable three year five year at the end of the day whatever that rate is uh is again like we talked about last week i'm mixing up whether it was last week or that other episode we did midweek uh, of of just budget, like it's it fitting their budget, um, mm -hmm. you know, regardless of what lender you're looking at, what rate, variable, fixed, term length, have it fit your budget for where you are, and like go with that. What you feel comfortable with. If you're not, if you're, you know, if there's an ounce of you that's uncomfortable with, you know, looking at a shorter term or looking at a variable, mm -hmm. um, then don't do it. You know, because you know there is such such uncertainty out there. There is no crystal ball. Um, you got to go with what you're comfortable with and what fits your budget for where you are. And you can really kind of look at what's in front of you right now. Important to to note, Greg. I don't know if you knew this, but obviously, Dave, you know. Uh, 
whenever we place a client in a specific rate, like ultimately the choice is the clients, right? I mean, we're there to advise mm -hmm. them and make our suggestions and professional opinions and so on. And, you know, typically clients will, they're coming to us for our advice. So they typically will at least put a heavy weighting into what we would suggest, but ultimately it's their decision. And when the time comes that they're signing their actual mortgage package, there's a document in there that's an actual suitability disclosure, like a suitability agreement. So saying that, you know, that both the client and us find that the mortgage is suitable uh, for their needs. So it is important that we understand what their needs are. And we're actually, you know, the clients are actually signing something saying that they agree that this mortgage product is suitable for what they what they're looking for. And if it's not suitable and they went against what we suggested, that's also documented. So it, you know, it's very important if you're an advisor and you're listening to this, like it's very important to document your conversations, make mm -hmm. notes of what you're saying. Uh, you know, talk to Greg about this today. So made this suggestion based on this. Like keep those notes because if anything ever happens and the client says, oh, well, you know, they, they forced me into a variable or they put me into a fix mm -hmm. that I didn't want. You know, you have to be able to explain like, well, these are the conversations we had this date, that date. And, uh, you know, this is why I suggested that uh, and be able to defend your position, you know? Yeah, I think the disclosure documents are very important. Luca and I kind of started a, um, just a one sheet before we, engage with buyers and sellers just saying that this is you know just things that may happen along the way and things that you need to be prepared for um you know because a lot of the time you know things will happen like that when it's you know people get excited they're you know going into home ownership talking to you guys about you know the rates talking to us about the process and a lot of people seem to forget some of the initial conversations so I think it's very important for every, any advisor, I mean, in any business to make sure that they've at least covered themselves and gone over, um, certain elements of, um, of the process with, with people properly and, and make it, sure that they know that they've actually read it, that they sign off on, on that. It is a stressful time too. When you're, you know, when you're going through, there's so many steps, we're so used to it, right? Like it's just t literally another day at the office when we're yeah. going through these, uh, these documents and processes, but. For someone who's a first-time home buyer who's never gone through the process, like there's so many moving parts, inspections and and meeting with the lawyer and you know, dealing with going to see a house with Greg, getting pre-approved from Dave. Like there's there's a lot of things happening. So a lot of the times these conversations that you might have had, like you said, Greg, in in, in your initial phone call explaining something to mm -hmm. them, clients don't remember that conversation necessarily. Some do, some don't, you know. And it's just really important to kind of reiterate these things and you know, uh explain things in in really clear and concise terms so that it's easier to consume for the client. Um, but also I like to put everything in an email and just bullet point it. Like, you know, this is what I need. From mm -hmm. These are the steps we're going to take. So it's super clean, super concise, and they can actually go back and reference it. So it's not yeah. like something they're just hearing over the phone and they have to try to remember this, uh, you know, five, five months later when they finally found the home they want. Uh, so they can actually go back and reference that. Oh, you know, Paul said, or Dave said, these are the steps that we're going to have to take. We're going to do this and we're going to get the inspection and we're going to, you know, see our commitments and so on and so forth. So they actually have a reference point to go through the process and they feel like they, understand what's happening you know i think i think as well for for any realtor or mortgage agent is also to like i i fully agree with both you guys you know if you're having a conversation follow it up with an email or a document that's outlining it uh for that buyer or, or borrower to to reference but also remove all remove the jargon you know we get yeah. caught up being in the industry so often with just throwing out jargon and assuming that somebody knows what they're talking about and to your point well first time home buyers don't know 
how many times do people move in their life? You know, on, you know, they're not moving every week uh, or even every five years or even every 10 years. They don't remember these processes and there's, and the process and the steps change over time because regulations change of what's needed and new terms are in or like injected into, uh, into kind of our vocabulary within the industry. So um, the best you can do is also not just explain it written, like have it written down, but also in a clear and concise manner that that is easy to understand and not just kind of jargony uh, throughout everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't remember who it was. Some philosopher, I think said something along the lines of like, uh, uh, basically the goal is to take a super complex issue and just make it as simple to understand as possible. Like use the most simplest reference or, uh, or, you know, simile or analogy or whatever it is to basically get your point across in the most clear and digestible way, you know, um, digestible. I want to say too, we, what's that digestible? digestible yes. <laughs> we, uh, we met last week with, uh, with one of our, our lenders actually pillar who was awesome. They, uh, they hosted the three of us on uh, BHB television, which is, uh, brokers helping brokers, uh, and Tony cook who works at pillar. He, ran us through kind of talking about the market and stuff. And it was a very interesting conversation. It was weird. I don't know how you guys felt, but it was weird for me at least to be on the other side of that mm -hmm. and actually have someone asking us questions. Cause typically, you know, when we're doing these shows, like even now, if Greg's saying something or Dave's saying something, you're kind of trying to think of, okay, what's my response going to be? What are we going to talk about next? You know, your brain's kind of working in a different way. I find when someone's just asking you, it, it felt a lot more like just a natural conversation. Did you guys find that? Like, yeah, it, it, it was good. And it, it was interesting being in a, um, being in a space you know, sitting yeah. uh, mm -hmm. all together and <laughs> doing it like that. That was fun. Yeah, well, do, when that when that comes out, which I think they said it's about two weeks or so, we'll, we'll actually release it on our channel here so that people can actually see that. I mean, it's it's essentially us with Tony. It's, it's Tony as a special guest, essentially, on the on the, on the auto real estate podcast. <laughs> Just somebody else filming it, videoing it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <sighs> yeah it'd be different editing, but uh, we'll, uh, it'll be similar. Do you guys think... Um, you know, it came up in conversation. I can't remember with who, but they were talking about, you know, the thought of rates going to 10%. Now, it, let's hypothetically, if that happens, what would happen to the market, do you guys think? I mean, stall, <clears throat> stall completely. Right. And, and, and can it how, and how quickly... Can that like the bank account? They can pretty much do whatever they want to, right? Just based on like how they inflation economy is doing and inflation. based on how tiffs feeling that morning, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so for us to off or not? So for us to get like a, a rate hike of of one percent, that's still possible. Most un unlikely, but still possible, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Very unlikely, but still possible. A lot of it also comes down to what our neighbors in the south do too. Mm -hmm. like if they're if the U.S. Econ like the U.S. economy, their inflationary numbers are very entrenched and they continue to stay elevated, and so the Feds are having to raise their rates again. Um, and if Canada doesn't, you know, if we if there becomes such a disparity between um, the overnight lending rate, then it also affects like our currency, um, you know, pegged against the U.S. dollar. So uh, there are other contributing factors that. Like from an out from outside the country, that will also drive what the Bank of Canada is doing. Um, but it's uh, yeah, I mean, it is. Is it possible? Yes. I, I I wouldn't have said I wouldn't have said that that six and seven percent rates were possible. You know, a year and a half ago, mm -hmm. and, and here we are. So I 
you know, I'm not going to say that 10% is impossible as a, you know, for fixed, but that's exactly what I was thinking. Like after what we've seen the last, like with 10 rate hikes now, like another 10 isn't out of the, like, it's not impossible. It would seem very unlikely and, and improbable, but you know, as yeah, I mean, 10 also seems if someone after the third rate hike was like, there's going to be seven more between now and, you know, July, 2023, we would have said that's impossible. Like there's no way we can sustain that. So who knows? Interesting to see that, like the the value, home value, like the prices. You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of like I try to compare it to the in times to sometimes where, you know, when if you have a condo for sale, and the fees go up substantially, mm-hmm. the actual sale price of the condo will fall a bit. Mm-hmm. And I guess it's the same thing. Like the rates go up, the prices come down, and it could be a significant drop depending on how high that is. Now, I, I will say, though, at the same time, that there are a large percentage of, of borrowers that are actually paying 8 10%. to 12% on their, mm-hmm. on their mortgage rates because they've been forced, because they don't qualify with under the, con- the conventional, right. you know, um, big bank or, you know, a bank um, qualifying. They're pushed into the B space. So, that, you know, you got the A, your traditional, you know, uh, lenders, you then have a B space, which is typically rates are about a 1% higher. They have more flexible qualifying criteria, but then you have another, you're then into mix, which is kind of your C, mm-hmm. uh, and then you have private. Um, so mix or mortgage investment corporations, their rates right now are, are anywhere from on a mix is anywhere from typically seven and a half to 10% and private money. You're looking at typically nine to 12% as on first mortgages and there's a huge population there and we were talking about with pillar uh, with tony this past week because pillar is a mech they traditionally lend uh in construction for construction uh, financing uh, but they are a mech and they do lend you know pretty strongly and he was even he was saying how popular you know even the the alternative conference was that he went to in toronto right. was sold out with a huge waiting list uh because there is such a demand in that space because of qualifying and people are still able to come up with those payments um on that how long they can like right. you know that obviously is a is a concern typically it's borrowers for a short term with an exit strategy um but there are there is a huge and growing market of people paying in that that higher rate so yeah that's a lot i wonder i wonder what the uh i wonder if there's a way to find the numbers on that it'd be, it'd be interesting to find out like, a lender b lender c like, you know whatever like from a from a dollar amount lending per year. Well, just just to see the percentage, yeah, like of you know in percentage case. of who's in what type. Yeah, yeah. Who's yeah. In what I mean, in that all in that alternative space in the in the mech and private space, it's billions of dollars in Canada. Um, you know, there's a, a you know medium size you know medium to medium size like Ottawa based mix are in the five and six hundred million that they have under management. Um, and that's without getting into Toronto or Vancouver or Calgary or any of those where, um, they're even larger and, and that's just one, in, you know, one institution or not even an institution, but one lender. Um, it's, it's a really, noticed, it's, it's surprising to a lot of people how big it is. I noticed recently too, I was looking at, uh, Greg, I, I kind of mentioned this to you last week, but I had a client who was with, uh, an alternative lender. Uh, for the last year and typically those lenders are doing shorter terms right like one two maybe three year terms uh and often their rates are based on credit scores and things like that so i've seen some b lenders that still have rates at you know six nine nine seven oh nine 
uh, when fixed rates on the A side, you know, for a three year sitting at six, five, nine, mm-hmm. uh, six, six, nine. So, I mean, you know, there's not too much of a, of a difference there. Uh, but I had a client that was getting offered, I won't mention lenders just for the sake of uh, you know, anonymity. Um, but basically, um, they were with an alternative lender. They were being offered over 8% for renewal um, for basically a one year plus a renewal fee plus, you know, plus, plus, plus. Um, and uh, basically was looking at getting them back over the A space and was able to do so with a lender that made like an outrageous exception. Uh, debt ratios were at over 80%. Uh, and the lender based their approval on the pre-existing relationship that the client had with the wow. lender. So they went in, you know, luckily, you know, they had their business accounts and so on with the lender, uh, which really helped. But to know that banks are making those sorts of exceptions based on relationship is, I think, really important for people to know because I think a lot of people, they might get a, a renewal notice and just assume that's all they're only offering. That's all they have, right? Is okay. Well, I better just sign this and move on. Mm-hmm. But there are often other options, better options available, and that's I, I think where Dave and I can can really assist people is in exactly just navigating those waters. And just because you're not a you know a home buyer, even if you're renewing or you're looking to refinance, like these are really important conversations to navigate properly because you know that extra you pay an extra one and a half percent for another year. That's that's tens of thousands of dollars. He's paying extra in interest, you know. So these these things make a huge difference, and it's really important when it comes time to renew, especially if you're with these alternative lenders, to see is there an option to come back to the A side. And typically, those lenders want that too, right? They're they're kind of giving you a short term solution in hopes that in a year or two you can get back mm-hmm. over to kind of an A lender and get back uh, into that A space and lower rates. So. Do you, and just for, just for the listeners that, that may not know the uh, that number you were just saying the debt the debt ratio for 82 percent was like eighty percent that yeah they, it's supposed to be forty four yeah forty four right that's the average yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so that's that's the that's the so it's kind of like two numbers that we look at and and again like I said I was saying on the show last week that clients are much more informed now like people clients understand all these numbers, you know, so when you're explaining it to them, like it, it's actually resonating to understand what impact different, different payments and so on have on their, on their numbers and they're qualifying. Um, but that number, that 44% is kind of like, that's, you know, the new mortgage payment as well as all of your existing debt. So if you have that car loan, you have that line of credit, that student debt, something that's kind of lingering or that you haven't paid off or that you just took on, that's massively impacting your qualifying. Uh, and, you know, as we mentioned on the show too, we're qualifying yet that whatever your rate is plus 2% because of the stress test. So, you know, it's really important to, to have your finance in order. Like we were saying the other day, like cash is king right now, especially uh, paying down those high interest rate debts is very important right now, you know, because you're going to save more that way than investing, you know, right now. So, um, so yeah. So if you're, you know, if you're sitting on cash, I would recommend uh, putting that towards high interest debt if you have it. Uh, and again, that's going to better your position for buying and renewing and refinancing or what have you, but also it's going to save you a lot of interest long term. I, I want to uh, I want to also clarify on that. Uh, um, Paul's mentioned that eighty uh, percent debt ratio of of getting that um, that approved. Typically, you know, for those they're looking for, you know, they're looking at either net worth. So mm-hmm. there's specialty programs for net worth uh, having a certain amount of of liquid. Uh, cash, whether that be investments, unsecured or, or, or secured or registered rather, um, you know, not, not equity. They're not looking at equity in homes because that debt needs to be serviced. They're looking at like what yeah. you have liquid or to Paul's 
client case, they've got their business account. So they're also typically self-employed in that case. And there are different self-employed programs where they're using the net income of the business as opposed to what they're just claiming on their on their taxes. So in a lot of cases, like in those cases where it's kind of making that exception, it's not just you're a salaried employee, um, you know, yeah. with, you know, 10,000 in savings and you go in with your like letter of employment for 50,000, you're not going to get that 80, 80% TDS exception. It's going to be, you know, you're having to fall under one of these specialty programs. You just want to do to clarify. So people aren't, uh, calling us it up and saying and expecting uh to get outrageous ratios why can't you do that for me yeah, yeah. i don't paul i don't know what you're doing right now there's a lot of a lot of palm there <laughs> oh sorry sorry leaving the lens oh no i was looking looking for mood boosts oh, i didn't know right you guys high and dry over there do you have them do you have them? i love it looks pretty amazing right Let's there do it. the sun is coming up it's uh yeah it's early morning it's it's uh slow moving here in the morning apparently so <laughs> we'll see it'll kick into gear uh okay so let me see here I got I'll get keep my palm out of the frame all right so number one sad news today gentlemen the creator of autocorrect has died restaurants in peace <laughs> yes it looks better when it's written because it's actually p i e c e you know. Anyways, number two, <laughs> I have the attention of a goldfish. It's been watching me for hours. Mm -hmm. Just creeping. Just creeping. Better, better. better. Uh, my personal favorite, number three, a couple of cows smoking weed and playing poker. The stakes were high. <laughs> <laughs> that'll, that'll wrap it up there. Yeah. Getting lit in the pasture. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we will uh we will be back now consistently tuesday mornings 10 a.m we're gonna get these shows out to you if you haven't already uh make sure to subscribe on youtube obviously and and whatever streaming platform you're listening to on and uh gentlemen any closing remarks anything you want to leave our listeners with this week no just uh you know if anyone has any questions feel free to give me a call <clears throat> I'm doing a lot of a lot of research in the market lately in all sorts of neighborhoods across the city. So if anyone has any questions or wants to know about listing their property. And you got that beautiful property mine. in uh, Kempville. I saw you posting about that this weekend. Open house. Yeah, I got a listing in Kempville. It's a pretty nice, um, it's it, perfect for an investment and perfect for a multi-generational family to, you yeah. know, to live in. There's two units and there's a little office in the back. You can run a home-based business out of there. Had a pretty busy open house on Saturday, but, uh, it's there, 14-16 Clothier Street West, everyone. Check that out. Kempville. Clothier. Clo yeah, Clothier. First I saw it, I was like, it was like, is it Clothier? Like, is that a French spelling style? <laughs> I, like, no, 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 it's clothier. clothier. Like, you know, all the Clothiers, like back in the day, 100 years ago. What do you do? I'm a Clothier. I, uh, <laughs> it's I, cold. I, Put on I your clothes. or I import clothing. Yeah. I clothe people. <laughs> the Clothier. Yeah. Great name. I can see Greg. Greg would be. Uh, what would your job be, Greg? In like back in the in the uh, you know, two thousand years ago, be a clother. 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 Or cake maker. <laughs> one of the two. Okay? Or cake maker. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Oh. All right, guys. We'll have a great week. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll be back and uh, give us a show. We need help. Hello, world champ. World champ. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right, guys. Have a great week. Bye, guys. Thanks 
for tuning in, everyone. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please remember to like, share, comment, and subscribe because we'd really like that.